Welcome to episode number 16 of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. We're so glad you're with us today. My name is Steve Webb. Today, Pastor Bennett is continuing his lesson on the importance of being born again. His text is John 3, verses 1 through 6. So get your Bible out as we join Pastor Mel Bennett. Pastor? Thank you, Steve. To our listeners, I once again want to encourage you to check out the many podcasts produced by Steve Webb on LifespringMedia.com and listen to them. You'll be blessed. Today, I want you to join me in the Word of God in John, the third chapter, verses one through six, as we share on our four interrelated ideas. Let us begin reading at John 3, one through six. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let me read that again. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Last week we closed our talk with the fact that when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, he was trying to tell him and us to understand that what it truly means to have a spiritual rebirth. We went on to say that scripture shows us that rebirth has four interrelated ideas. They are one, rebirth, two, entrance into the kingdom of God, and three, sonship, fourth, eternal life. Let's start off this morning with the idea of the kingdom of God. What do we mean by the kingdom of heaven? We can get a good definition from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew the 6th chapter and the 10th verse. He reads these words, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have two petitions side by side. It is characteristic of Jewish style to say things twice, and the second explains the first or amplifies it. There are many verses in the Psalms which show this. Here are a few of them. Psalm 46 and 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now, first of all, I like that word selah. It means a sort of an emphasis to the statement. It's a period put on there. It means somebody said, What do you think of that? I like that. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob explains who the Lord of hosts is. He is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, the Lord of hosts. In Psalm 51, 3, it says, For I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin is always before me. What does he mean there? The second interprets or translates or, or emphasizes, amplifies the first. 
for my sin is always before me, amplifies the fact that he acknowledges his transgression. What is his transgression? His sin that is always before him. Psalm 23 and 2 says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Once again, he leadeth me beside the still waters. Amplifies, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures by the still waters. These are known as parallels. Now let us apply the principle to these two petitions in the Lord's Prayer. The second amplifies or explains or develops the first. This will help us get our definition of the kingdom of heaven. Listen to what he says again. If you return to Matthew 6.10 and use this principle, you will see that the kingdom of heaven is a society where God's will is as perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. Now let's repeat that again. You'll see that the kingdom of heaven is a society where God's will is as perfectly done on earth as it is in heaven. To be a part of the kingdom of heaven is to lead a life which we have completely and willingly submitted everything to the will of God. It is also to have arrived at a stage when we fully, completely, and perfectly accept the will of God, even if it is a difficult place. I accept it because it is the will of God for my life. I know when our youngest daughter told us that they uh, felt a call of God on their life to go to uh, Turkey and uh, have a ministry of some kind there, I know how I I disliked it. I I really didn't want to accept it. I said, God, let them go any place but there. You know, that's not a good place to go. I didn't know anything about Turkey. I just knew it was heavily Muslim, and I didn't want them to go. But they said to me one day, listen, it's more a matter of obedience. We'd go anywhere God told us to go. It's just a matter of obeying God. And that's what it is, my friend, to find the will of God for my life. Even though it's a difficult place, I'm willing to accept it as a obedience. The second issue that we deal with is sonship. It is an all-inclusive idea. And so it includes both men and women. So when we talk about sonship, we're not talking just about men. We're talking about men and women, or daughters, as well as sons. Sonship is a tremendous privilege. Oh, thank God for that. To those who believe, there is given power to become sons. Listen to John 1 and verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe on his name. Listen to it again. To as many as received him, you must receive him. To them those he gave the right to become the children of God, sons of God, to those who believe in his name. The very heart of sonship is necessarily obedience. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Who loves the Lord? The one who keeps his commandments. The heart of sonship is love, and the heart of love is obedience. We cannot really say that we love a person and then do things which hurt and grieve that person's heart. You know as well as I do, if you love your children, if you love your wife, you'll try and do things that please them, not things that hurt them and and are destructive to them. Sonship is a privilege, as I said before, but it is a privilege which is only entered into when full obedience is given. So to be a son of God and to be in the kingdom of God are one and the same thing. The son of God and the citizen of the kingdom of God are both people who have totally and completely and willingly and finally accepted the will of God for their life. 
The third issue is eternal life. The main idea behind eternal life is not simply that of duration. That would be everlasting life. There is a difference between everlasting life and eternal life. It is very clear that a life which went on and on forever and ever could just as easily be in hell as in heaven. I've said oftentimes, there are people that are walking around that are dead people and don't even know it because they don't have eternal life, but they're going to live forever in hell or in heaven. You can make a choice today. The idea of eternal life has to do with quality of life, a certain kind of life. I thank God I have eternal life right now. There is only one person who can properly be described by this adjective eternal, and that person is God. So eternal life is the kind of life that God lives. It is God's life. To enter into eternal life is to enter into possession of that kind of life, which is the life of God. It is to be lifted up above merely human temporary passing transient things into that joy and peace which belong only to God. Hallelujah. Clearly, a man can only enter into this close communion and fellowship with God when he gives to God that love, that reverence, that devotion, that obedience, which only truly bring him into fellowship with God. Let me say that again. Certainly a man can only enter into a close communion and fellowship with God when he gives to God that love, that reverence, that devotion, that obedience, which truly bring him into fellowship with God. Here we have three great ideas of entry into the kingdom of God then. The idea of sonship of God, the idea of eternal life. Now, all of these are dependent on the product of perfect acceptance of and perfect obedience to the will of God. It is here that the idea of being reborn comes in. So now let's talk about rebirth. It is the idea of being reborn that links all of these three concepts together. It is quite clear that in our own strength, we are unable to give God this perfect obedience. It is only when the grace of God enters into us and takes possession of us and changes us that we can give to God the reverence and the devotion we ought to give him. It is only Jesus Christ who can work that change in us. It is through him that we are reborn. It is when he comes and he takes possession of our hearts and lives that the change takes place and comes into our life and into our being. When that happens, we are born of water and of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Water is a symbol of cleansing. When Jesus takes possession of our life, when we love him with all our hearts, the sins of the past are forgiven and forgotten. We are cleansed and made clean. The Spirit is the symbol of power. When Jesus takes possession of our lives, It is not only that the past is forgotten and forgiven and cleansed. If that were all, we would probably proceed to make the same mess of life all over again. But there enters into this life the power, this new power, which enables us to be what by ourselves we could never be and to do by ourselves what we could never do. What the Spirit and the water stand for, the cleansing and the strengthening power of Christ which wipes out the past and which gives us victory in the future. Finally, John says, he lays down a great law. Listen to what he says. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
You see, a person by himself is flesh, and their power is limited to what flesh can do. By yourself, you cannot be other than defeated and frustrated. That we know only too well. That is the universal fact of human experience. We try and try and try again, and fail and fail and fail again, and we become defeated and frustrated. But thanks be unto God, the way, the very heart of the Spirit is the power and of the life, which are beyond human power and human life. Now listen, when the Spirit takes possession of us, the Spirit does what only the Spirit can do, and the defeated life of human nature becomes the victorious life of God. To be born again, then, is to be cleansed in such a way that it can only be described as rebirth and recreated. The change comes when we love Jesus and allow him into our hearts. Then we are forgiven and the past and armed by the Spirit for the future. Then we can truly accept the will of God. And then we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we become sons of God. Then we enter into eternal life, which is the very life of God. Praise his wonderful name. Before we pray, join with me in listening to the words of a beautiful hymn written sometime before 1904. Words to this hymn were written by William T. Sleeper, who went to be with his Lord in 1904. So sometime prior to that, these words were written. Reverend Sleeper was a pastor in a community that sponsored meetings with Dr. George Pentecost. The hymn was written after hearing a message by Dr. Pentecost on John chapter 3, the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. Listen to the words of George Stebbins, who wrote the music for the hymn. During those meetings, he said, one of the subjects preached upon was the new birth. While presenting the truth, enforcing it by referring to various passages of Scripture, Dr. Pentecost quoted our Lord's words to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. George Stebbins said, I spoke to Reverend Sleeper, one of the pastors of the city, who sometimes wrote hymns, of my impression and asked him if he would write some verses on the subject. He acted at once on my suggestion, and soon after came to me with the hymn. Before the meeting closed, a musical setting was made. Those words are taken by George Stebbins in his memoirs and reminiscence. The following are the lyrics a Reverend Sleeper wrote that day. A ruler once came to Jesus by night to ask him the way of salvation and light. The master made answer, in words true and clear, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. I verily, verily say unto thee, ye must be born again. Ye children of men, attend to the word so solemnly uttered by Jesus the Lord, and let not his this message to you be in vain. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again, ye must be born again. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, ye must be born again. O ye who would enter into that glorious rest, and sing with the ransom the song of the blessed, the life everlasting, if ye would obtain, ye must be born again. Ye must be born again, ye must be born again. I verily, verily say unto you, ye must be born again. A dear one in heaven, a heart yearns to see, at the beautiful gate may be waiting for thee. Then list to the note of this solemn refrain. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. Ye must be born again. I verily, verily say unto thee, ye must be born again. 
Listen, friend, listening today, there's no other way to enter the kingdom of God other than through that. You must be born again. You need to come to Jesus today. Accept him as your personal Savior. Let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we come thankful for the grace of God that brought salvation to us. We were lost sinners, but Jesus once came and brought grace and mercy and peace to our hearts and life. We were washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and then the power of the Holy Spirit went to work in our lives to help us to live the kind of life that you want us to live. Oh God, I pray that men and women who are listening today will pray that simple prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Cause me to be born anew of the Spirit and of the water, and I'll give you praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Pastor, for a great lesson. Next week, Pastor Bennett will continue in John 3, beginning at verse 7. His topic will be misunderstanding and understanding and lifting up Christ. You can write to Pastor Bennett at pastorb at lifespringmedia.com. I know he loves to get your emails. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.